right. Um, today, um, we want to launch our theme in terms of for the last quarter of the year. And we have termed it finishing 2019 strong and then starting 2020 big. That is finishing 2019 strong and starting 2020 big. And so when we talk about starting something, we've got to understand that the way you finish what uh, the last phase can affect, all right, how you start the next. It's just like running a relay race, a 4 by 100 relay race, or 4 by 400 And if the last leg, all right, before you take the button to run, all right, does so badly, I can put you in a psychological state, all right, can weaken you, and you'll have to increase, all right, your energy and effort to be able to make up for that error. So finishing 2019 strong, right, helps to start us or put us on a right pedestal to start 2020 big. And so what we mean by finishing strong is finishing without any element of discouragement, uh, without anything on the inside of yourself that, you know, the Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Uh, so people, right, move into the next, right, weakened inside their heart. And for us to be able to finish strong, first thing we've got to understand is that don't give up on your dreams for this year yet. Uh, three more months, which means three months, is more than enough time, much more than the time that God requires to do a powerful work and produce the miraculous. Uh, three months might be so short a time for us in our own minds, but it is so long a time or in terms, we'll look at it in terms of quantifying that, it's much more than God requires to do anything. It tells us that a day can be as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day before the law. That we shouldn't count him as being slack, that he can compress years of work into a single day. So don't give up on your dreams for 2019 yet. But more important, you've got, we've got to understand this, more important than any other growth producing practice is the presence and the reality of spiritual empowerment. More, more important than any growth producing practice. So there are practices that produce growth in everyone's life or whatever you are doing. And we're on a journey to discover the practices there and to implement them. And so, but more important than any other one is the presence and reality of spiritual empowerment. In, in other words, uh, there's a practice, you can say, of declaring the word, which the seven sons of Sceva, all right, walked in. But without spiritual empowerment, then uh, it is a form of godliness that is void of the power. So the practice was right. In the name of Jesus, we adjure you to come out. 
but they didn't have that spiritual empowerment to make it happen. The disciples went to meet Jesus. How come? We did what you essentially did, but we couldn't cast him out. And Jesus talked about empowerment, that this kind goeth forth except by prayer and fasting. So I want to look at steps to this spiritual empowerment and then look at growth practices, all right, as we end the year. And tweak with certain things going on in our own lives, evaluate the information with our practice, and see how we can make adjustments to allow more of the flow of the power of God within our situation. In other words, when he says God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but not willing that any should perish but come to repentance, what he's saying is we are the ones that are really holding back that power, that there are certain things we are doing we have to change, and that when we make those adjustments within and without, that it will allow for God to compress what might have taken decades and do it momentarily within our lives. So we are joining together with him. This spiritual empowerment here is that where we are now joined together with him or with God in prayer so that he gives us power and wisdom through his word. So in spiritual empowerment there, the practice of it is that we are joined together with God in prayer. And so the results of that is that from his word, we get power and we get wisdom. Now we understand the way to victory in life is to pray for it and then to praise God for that victory and lastly, to carefully obey the word of God every step of the way. So we've said we pray about something, we praise God for the fulfillment of that thing, and that's getting joined together with God in prayer. Then we open his manual, and we carefully obey the word of God every step of the way. When they were building Nehemiah, they were building the temple, all right, or Ezra rather, but essentially simply, for Ezra's account, they were stopped, all right, at one point, and they had to wait for 20 years. And so background praying occurred through Daniel. And when they were going to start again, what happened was that the Bible says there were two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, that helped them. And what that meant was that gave them specific direction at every point in time. And so they will tell them what the mind of God is for that particular situation. They come in contact with something. They do what is on the mind of God. Power is released. And so three things. We pray for it. We praise God for the fulfillment. And then we open the word of God and take direction, carefully obey what the Word of God says every step of the way. Now, it's important, all right, we obey what the Word of God says because human solutions, apart from God's guidance, only increases the problem. So if you are faced with something and you just manufacture a solution without taking guidance from God, you make the matter more complex 
and, all right, create more problems. Uh, I remember reading this from Dr. Young Cho. While they were building the largest church in the world, uh, they were going to move because where they were was now overcrowded. So they were moving to a new center. And it was a new city that was being built. It's just like saying Eco-Atlantic and the way it is. But it was, it was a great distance from the city of Seoul or where they were. And so what happened was, but it was just past the way that place is, and they wanted to build a large auditorium there, and uh, they were short of funds, and so he came up with this plan that they will build up apartments, and when they build apartments and lease this apartment, uh, that the money they generate from that, they will use to build the church. And his wife told him that I don't think you should do this. Remember, resources have always come to us to do things when we go to God and ask him for his way of doing it. This is just some manufactured way, all right, human way of trying to resolve this problem. And he said it complicated the issue. And they were there for years with empty apartments. Debt began to run. So many things were going on. Until finally they got a breakthrough and something happened in the church that they were not even expecting. And there was a great turnaround and they learned their lesson, all right, from that. Because desperation pushes us to make mistakes. Once we get desperate and want something, all right, we hastily carry out things and, and we make mistakes. But there is power when one is desperate. Because when, if you are not, now the word desperate might not be a right word to use it, but let's just take it as hunger. When, when there's no real zeal for something, when, when you are not reaching out for something, nothing really happens. It's those that hunger and thirst for righteousness that get filled. All right? So that desperate, all right, person there, it, it's not a bad thing in itself. It's just when you turn it over to God. Uh, and those are the kinds of people that, seem to break through because they, they want that particular thing. They, they are reaching for it. They're not complacent. They, there's that push in them. Now, when you turn it over to God, it becomes a divine channel for his blessings. A man's problem or man's problems that we have, when yielded to God, are his opportunities to show us his love and his power. And we need to understand it. I, I heard somebody preach this. It was put on an Instagram as a throwback, all right, from 1996. And I think it was Pastor Nkuro Rappu, when, when, when do I the Papa, she was prayed out. She was speaking to ladies there, and, and something struck me deep in, in, in what she was saying. And she was talking about the five loaves, and, and she said that Jesus took it, blessed it, and then broke it, gave thanks and broke it, and then multiplied it. And she said, if you give thanks, all right, so God and surrender that breaking process, and you give thanks to God for it, that it will lead, always will lead to a multiplication. And that's so powerful, all right? Because Jesus himself said this, and some people might have had this experience this year, and I want to tell you that locked inside this experience is your future is actually locked in this, right? Because this is the way it works. Jesus himself said, a corn of wheat, except it falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it becomes more fruitful or brings forth fruit. 
Now, what he was saying there was the kind of way the condition has to deteriorate first before you can have an explosion there and multiplication. So you look at the kind of weight, and you might even be, a grain of weight there, uh, you might be satisfied with it. That is, Jesus, he, he was blessed. That he took the blood and blessed it before he broke it. Right? And he was blessed. We saw him on the earth doing miracles, signs. And that was the, uh, I mean, it, it, it surpassed our own human imagination and expectations of a man. That they were saying, what manner of man is this? There, there cannot be anything beyond this as far as our humanity was concerned. But for God, that was his seed, the starting point of what he wanted to do. And so in our lives, we might look at something and say, you know, we are doing very well, we're blessed, and God looks at this and says, we haven't even scratched the surface of what we want to do. So he said that corn of wheat, which was blessed, which she was saying, he took the bread, blessed it, all right? That corn of wheat that is blessed, I mean, God showed me this. He says, look, it has to fall to the ground and die. And that death there is the cross. And it looked like the condition of Jesus that don't tamper with this thing is blessed and says no. But there's much more to it that no man's eye has seen, no man's ear has heard, the heart of no man has conceived that will cause a multiplication of this thing. But in order to multiply it, we've got to break this thing here. And the breaking process there, there was betrayal involved, there was pain involved, uh, there were things that were involved, and so you might have experienced something so God looks at a person who is blessed with a job, and God says, we need to break this job here in order to multiply this particular individual. Now, the breaking process is a painful thing that happens, and you have to say pray prayers like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and all of that, but God is in the process of multiplying you. Now, once we don't understand this, when people start getting broken, what happens is that they complain, they murmur, they get into unforgiveness, their hearts, all kinds of things happen, they are disappointed, they say, why did this happen? So God takes the job, breaks the job there, and says, now I want to multiply you, and people somewhat die in the process. Well, all right, they, they die in that particular process there. I mean, Dr. Yongichu, that's the largest church in the world, he said when he started this ministry, that's why you need to read and, and really be informed of a process. There were several times he walked back to the train station, giving up on ministry. That, look, there's nothing that's happening here. His woman, who later became his mother-in-law, had to follow him, hold his garment, and be praying. That, look, we are praying something will happen. Something is going to break in this city for us. All right? I mean, they went through that. It wasn't just that. The thing just happened that way. Right? And so, God takes and breaks. And then when he breaks, now, the important thing is that you surrender that to God. Uh, you go to God and say in your sovereignty there, I was blessed here, but now you're bringing me to multiplication. And therefore, you worship him in that breaking process. And you thank him for taking you through this. All right? It was maybe unimaginable that you go through this. You didn't all think you will ever survive this kind of thing, but you are there. And take it before him and know that there is a multiplication coming all right, you felt that was the epitome of it, but God says, look, there are things no man's eye has seen, no man's ear has cared, the heart of no man conceived that I've prepared for you. Here is the process here of getting to this place. And so you accept that. Uh, you worship God and thank him for the process. You, you submit that break into him there. And you understand that I'm in the hands of God and his love now it might seem painful, but here is his love taking me into something. 
that I would never have dreamt of. And so you surrender that to him and you take it as a channel through which his power and his love, you are going to experience that. That's why he says, God has prepared for them that love him, which means people that demonstrate in that, that look, my love is towards you, God. I know that you have engraven me. And that's what he was saying in Isaiah. He says, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken. God said, is it because of the things you are seeing that you are saying I've forsaken you? He said, I cannot. He said, these are acts of love that you are talking about and calling it that God has forsaken. He said, my love is at work in the midst of these. All right? You can't give birth to a child without experiencing labor pain. You don't call the labor pain, all right, that God has forsaken. He says, now you go through this particular thing. It's labor pain for what is coming out. Now surrender there and keep pushing in worship and, and thanking me, all right, for that. I know you don't understand it. I know the condition is worse than where you are coming from, but that is it from that regular life to the cross, from the cross, all right, a resurrection power comes in and there's ascension and don't die in that process. Don't, don't get offended, all right? Present it to me and make sure it's a divine channel through which my blessing will come and take the broken pieces there to God in worship and in thanksgiving, praising him for his work that is beyond, all right, your own wisdom and that he will make use of this particular thing and then something new comes out of it, all right? Something powerful emerges out of this that you aren't even, all right, thinking about, right? I believe that the ability to handle what people will call disappointments and all these things is one of the biggest secrets to people that become mega successful, which means their attitude towards those things are different from other people. Uh, they meet with it and take it to God in surrender and understand that God is greater than them, knows more than them, and, and they submit, all right, to that powerful thing. I mean, God tried to show me something and showed me, said, so don't get this wrong, but see that. He said, he said, I appreciate if people will accept that I know more than them, that I am more powerful than them. Now get this here. Because people don't feel inferior to somebody who is stronger than them, but they can feel inferior to somebody that knows more than them. All right? So if somebody's muscular and comes in and says, I can carry this thing, it doesn't matter. Someone looks and says, yeah, yeah, you have more power than me. That's no problem. But I know more about life. I have more intelligence than you. I'm more brilliant than you. You can carry the load, but I know how to, all right, make it. If somebody comes and says, I can carry all these monitors, all right, but if you know how to make the monitors, you are the engineer, the one behind it. You can tell the person to carry it, all right, so we kind of humanly exalt knowledge above power. And so God says, so why don't you reverence me that I know more than you? It's almost like you just say that you are, you are more powerful, but we try to tell him this is what you should do or use your power for that. He said, accept that I know more than you. Accept that, all right, I'm wiser than you and I understand uh, things about life that you don't know. So the key is to mix the word of God with faithfulness, all right? And you will hear his voice speak to you as you do and as you practice what he says. Uh, so this is what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, hold fast your confidence and rejoicing of hope, your prayer and your praise, we've said, then mix it with obedience, all right? And where do you get to the obedience? Your confidence, he says, harden not your heart. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So you prayed, you're praising, then takes you into the breaking place, and then he said, listen to my voice, and whatsoever I tell you, do it there. So we've said, it's to pray, so praise, and then carefully obey, 
uh, the word of God every step, all right, of the way. So I toiled all night and caught nothing and experienced that, breaking experience there, but it's to open you up to something new that you are not thinking about. Listen to what he's saying, obey it, right? And from that, we toiled all night and caught nothing. They became apostles. They, they, it, and they got things in eternity. Uh, Peter's name is everywhere. James, everything, they're everywhere. John and all these people became massive apostles for Jesus Christ just from toiling all night. That was the breaking point where God picked them up. And so it is with us that God says, I can never leave you nor forsake you. Take that thing and bring it to me and see how I will walk with, through that particular thing to bring powerful things into your life. That's the point of entry, all right? And that's where greatness comes from, the places, all right, where we have gotten broken, and it's those places God walks through. Now, if you don't allow God to walk through, then Satan comes in there and builds a stronghold with a root of bitterness on the inside, and people are disgruntled and wounded and stuck on that position, and then character disorders and all kinds of things begin to emanate out of that. So I want to talk about four things quickly. All right, well, it will be five things now. That's the first one. But five things now in terms of empowerment. So we have this kind of attitude to the crisis, and then we pray this way. Number one, all right, things we should embrace as we go into this last three months. Pray with faith from a pure heart. Uh, talking about empowerment, pray with faith, but from a pure heart. What do we mean by that? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. It says, let, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. That's faith, all right, from that pure, true heart. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, let's pray there or draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. Now, let's look deeper at that because it says, draw near with a true heart. And he keeps talking about the condition of your heart. In the full assurance of faith, having, which means how do you do this? By having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, which is cleansed by the blood, and then your bodies, which is your practice, washed, all right, with pure water. That's what he says there in Hebrews. And, and this, this, I mean, it's to the Jews, they understood this. That back then, if you are going to meet with God, and they said, we are going to meet with God uh, tomorrow, or the day after tomorrow, you sanctify yourself. There are certain things to do to prepare to meet with God. Now, we in the New Testament, quote-unquote, just run roughshod over it, and I just think it's arrogant. And I'll show some things here. Uh, Psalm 24, from verse 3, all right, to verse 5. It says this, who shall ascend unto the holy hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? It says, verse 4, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, verse 5, He shall receive the blessing. The blessing is the empowerment from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And now, before you say, well, it's Old Testament, all right? All right, look at verse 4 again. It says here, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Now, let me show you the New Testament dimension to this. James lifted this directly. And in James chapter 4 and verse 7, he said, 
Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, he goes on and says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. That's come close, and God will come close. Cleanse your hands. The same thing that um, David was saying, or the writer of that psalm, you see that, which means sin there means where you've missed the mark, and purify your heart, all right, double-minded there. So what does it mean to come and pray with faith from a pure heart? Now, first thing is, if there is no sin going on in your life, bring it to God in prayer. Now, it's a long time, all right, in, in church people preach like this. If there is no ongoing sin, which is what you call the sin that doth so easily beset. Now, don't run away from God. Now, this is what God is saying about a pure heart. He said, come with your heart sprinkled. Now, which means bring that known sin when you are praying, Bring it to God in prayer. Don't think that I will run away from God and think that then I will try to please him, all right? It's not condemnation, all right? In your own human struggle, get victory, and then when you are living right, I will get him victory, right? Then you can come to him. No, what he's saying is, all right, it says, it says, uh, if any man sin, let him confess, right? Confess that known sin. When, when man fell at the beginning, God came to man. Man was the one running away from God. God wasn't running away from man. And he looked at the condition of man. Man, in his own struggle, or I used the fig leaves to cover himself. Uh, God came and said, no, let, let me bring some redemption into your life. And, and said, it's the blood sacrifice. I started showing man and teaching him and covering him aright in the way and manner in which he could. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.